Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Hey, this is Flourishing. What is it called? Flourishing? Can we pull it up there? Flourishing in your finances. All right. I couldn't remember how we quite said that. We're going to spend this entire month, four weeks actually, right up to Labor Day weekend, talking about finances. And we're going to help you. The more people that I've talked to, I've realized some people have gotten in real tough situations. And people tell me all the time, young and old, I, I, I sat with a 61-year-old man uh, probably about four weeks ago. And uh, uh, we're talking about uh, other things. And all of a sudden, they brought up money. And they started talking about money. Uh, you know, it got kind of quiet. It felt a little, you know, I don't know, awkward. You know, because you could tell this was an issue uh, in their house. And here they are, 61, and they really have not been able to save anything or invest anything. They did have a, they have a small business they run. They do well. He makes a living at it. But if something happened to him or he got sick, you know, they wouldn't have that income at all. And, and they would be left without any income, you know? And, and they're great people. They're good Christians and all that. But here they've gone all the way to age 61 and just things happen. Uh, time passes fast, you know, that goes. And they're stuck in a tough situation. And so I started talking with them. And then it started rolling in. No one knew that I was talking to that person. But right after that, in a very short period of time, many people started coming to me and talking. And I'm thinking, this is a real problem. Now, I've known that. And that's why we try to teach on this a couple times a year. But I want to take a full month and just talk about some basic things and why money is so important. It's not important in the sense of the eternal values of it, but it is kind of related to that. And I'll I'll describe that over the next few weeks. And today I want to talk about a certain aspect of it, but I'm starting off in an unusual place. I'm starting off, I want to talk a little bit about love. I want to talk about the association of love and money. My wife, she says this all the time, for love or money. It's, I think it's a Canadian expression. When she's frustrated, she goes, for love or money, you know? I think that's in choice of, uh, uh, it's an exchange of using a swear word or something, and I appreciate that, you know? So, so I thought, what is that love and money? So I looked it up, and there's this ancient correlation between love and money, you know? The, the love of money, of course, is the easiest one. The love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money's the root of all evil. It says the love of it. And so you gotta, you gotta watch as you're making more money that you don't fall in love with this thing. Uh, there is something very attractive about money. And when you start making money and you know, obviously you're in the bill paying mode when you're younger, and, uh, but then you get to the point where there's some extra, you know, and you start thinking, wait, what do I wanna do, you know? And how do I wanna spend my money? And what are, what's on my bucket list that I'd like to have or be a part of or whatever? And so hopefully over a lifetime, you're getting more and more of that, you're investing it, and in America, God bless America, they, and in Canada also, they give the opportunity for this thing in Canada called RSSP, RRSPs, which are basically like an IRA in the United States, or 4013B or 401K. Uh, these are all ways to invest, and people invest in those. And the best idea, by the way, I'll just throw this in there, is to invest in your 20s. Invest in your 20s and learn how to live with less income. Pull back, I did it when I was, I don't know, 27, 28, something around there. And I just started uh, uh, putting money into a fund, dollar cost averaging, same amount every month. When I'd get a raise, I'd put a little more in. And you know, I didn't get a lot of raises, but I'd put a little more in there. I usually had side jobs, side hustles. I'd put more money, <clears throat> more money into that because to me, it was prophetic. And I know that stuns some people like, what, prophetic? That's not, that, 
That's fleshly. Why don't you trust in God? He's gonna be there when you're 65. Yeah, and he's gonna be there at 65 saying, you should have saved some money. And <clears throat> that's what he's gonna say. And he may save your bacon, but you may not be able to eat the bacon, but he'll save it, you know? So anyway, so it's, uh, you come to that point. So what way is that? We, we think about it. When you're putting money into your future, which is what it is, really the best investment you have here in the United States is the United States. I hate to tell you that. It's, it's the best investment. And so when you sow into that, the companies of this country, bonds, stocks, whatever, you know, you're, you're sowing into the future of a nation and its stability, and your money's growing. Uh, you know, sometimes it grows minus 2%. <laughs> there are times, like in 08, but you wait, you just keep on, you ignore what's going on, you keep putting, whether high, whether low, it's called dollar cost averaging, and, at the, and when you get 65, 70 years old, you have, you have enough money that you're, you're not threatened by it. In fact, you're able to give generously to people like you've never had before. So it's an amazing process, you know, this, this uh, uh, amazing effect of, of the percentages and the percentage of growth that happens over a lifetime, but you can, you can get fixated on that. So you don't get fixated on it. You just steward the money that God has given you. So I'm, I'm looking through this and I wanna look at Lamentations chapter three. Lamentations, I'm sure you haven't been there for a while, so it may take a minute to find it. If you got your phone, Google it. Lamentations chapter three, I'm gonna go through this pretty quickly and show you the, one of the connections between love and money. Limitations chapter three, verse 22 says this, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Did you get that? This is so important for us. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. In other words, we deserve judgment, but he gives mercy, so we're not consumed. Did you get that? This is one of the things that we like about God. I like his mercy. <laughs> I like his mercy, his loving kindness, his mercies that have covered my life. When I deserve so much worse, he gave me so much better. And what we, we are called to do is to mimic that. So we are called also, there's actually a parable about this of, of the master forgiving you of a great debt and then you turn around for someone that works for you and you beat them or fire them because they can't pay a small penny debt to you, uh, the Lord is, is not kind toward that. It's not in the nature of God. Because we've received mercy, we give mercy. Because we've seen the greatness of the riches of heaven, we give forth of what God gives us. We become a blessing. So this reciprocal reciprocity that comes into our life, heaven comes down, blesses you. That's why every time I get blessed with something, I sow something. It's like, you know what, the, I, I, wanna, I wanna keep that cycle going that I've received his divine mercies. I didn't ask for this, but I got this. I'm now going to let the, release that out, give it to someone else. I found that I've, I've almost always, when I find money, which is not very often, but I have found money, found hundreds of dollars once, uh, you know, I give it away. I just immediately give it away. I thought, you know what? This didn't come to me, it's someone else's. I'm gonna sow it and hope that God you know, brings a blessing to them. You know? So a general rule, if you find money, and sometimes you find a lot of money, you know, falls off the back of a bank truck or something like that. <laughs> you probably need to return that. But uh, if they call you and say, no, you can just keep it, which probably will not happen. 
then you can give that away. That could be a challenge. But it says his compassions fail not. Second part of that verse. They are new every morning. Let's say that part. New every morning. This morning, this morning, there were fresh compassions for you. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Literally, it means territory or parcel, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. It's, it's affirming this connection of God's great love to you for that it comes down to you and it's meant to flow out. You know the old saying, we're not to meant, to, meant to be the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea in Israel is dead. No vegetation grows in it, nothing. It's, it's salty. I've been in it, I've swam in it, I've floated in it. If you go to Israel, I think it's part of the law that you have to go to the Dead Sea and, and float in the Dead Sea. You know, they just want you to see it and see how wonderful it is and it's good for your skin. I could use a little Dead Sea right now. And uh, you go to the Dead Sea and it's beautiful, but the reason it's dead is because it doesn't flow out anywhere. And so God brings to us to flow out of us. It's part of the good mercies of God. It's part of the kindness of God. Now turn with me to James chapter two. James chapter two. I know some of you are thrown off. He's reading scripture right away. First part of the message. Usually it's after the halftime mark that he finally gets to the scripture. In my defense, I quote scripture all the time. So the first part of the scripture, I'm always quoting but the text that I want to use, sometimes I hold it off because I don't want to read into the text. I want to give it some time, prepare a foundation, and then bring the text and then open it up. So James chapter two, that was a little commercial there. James two, verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Wow. Wow. Yeah, even the baby says it. <laughs> Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And then it finishes off with this great little passage here, little four-letter, four-word uh, statement. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now in salvation, aren't we glad for that? <laughs> Mercy, triumph. We all deserve judgment. We all were, were fallen beings. And even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We are now in his shed blood, hidden into Jesus Christ. And it's by the mercy of God that we even exist. And we thank the Lord that he calls us sons and daughters of God because of his precious blood. It gives us abundant entrance into his throne room. I mean, it says that right in the Hebrews that we can boldly go into the presence of God. We don't go as like, you know, dear father, I know you're upset at me. It's not like that. We're kids that he truly loves. And when he looks at you, he's looking at you through the lens of Jesus Christ, his son who died for you. You can't go wrong. You do what you're supposed to do because it's good for you. You love on one another. You love your enemies. Why? Because it, it clears out your soul. It clears out your insides so that you don't die of some kind of tension or stress or whatever. You are learning to walk in the ways of Christ. Jesus said, learn of me. He speaks to the nature of God that in the nature of God, mercy always triumphs over judgment. Now, let me show you real quick. I'm gonna run through this quick. You won't have time to look up the verses. I may not even give them to you, but I got a verse for every one of these. 
Faith is power. And I'm, I'm looking at this, I've just been stunned. Someone said something a, a week ago or so and it really stunned me, I, I liked it. Because it said, he said, I think it was in Columbus, uh, Brian said, faith is easy. And I thought, no, it's not. No, it's not. If you had cancer, man, you gotta, you gotta kind of drum up your faith. You gotta read some scripture and, and it's true. I mean, there's, you build your faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit, you build your faith through the word of God. It's the foundation that you built your life on. But the truth is, all you have to have is the size of a mustard seed. Mustard seed faith. And you know what Brian said the other day? Brian said, if you show up, you're already in faith. You came to church today. You're here. It's faith. You're, you're, you're anticipating something. That's what faith is. It's a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. So, so in, in a sense, faith is easy. Love is a challenge. Faith is powerful, but love is the attachment to the miracle that you're looking for in your life. That, you know, we want to build up our faith really good there. We've got a whole, whole faith movement out there, you know. We've got uh, all kinds of hundreds, thousands of books on on faith and keeping your faith, getting your faith, walking in faith, all those kinds of things. Not a lot of books on love, which is the key value of the kingdom of God. And so here, you know, let's go to Jesus. He's always a great example. Jesus with the rich young ruler, do you remember that? Rich young ruler said, I like the fact that it describes him. He was rich, he was young, he was a ruler. In other words, he had everything. Probably they could put handsome in there, that would have helped rich, young ruler. And he comes up and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus looking at him, everyone's watching this saying, oh boy, he's got this young guy, Jesus about to rip one, boy. He's gonna really, you know, he's gonna put it in there. He's gonna, boy, this guy knows, has no idea what he's asked. And he looked at him and the Bible says, Jesus looking at him, loved him. You know, I've never noticed that before. It's probably an issue with me, but I never noticed that before. I noticed that he looked at him intently. And when he told him to sell everything he had and give it to the poor, the Bible said his face fell. That's what I remember. His face fell. He was like distressed and he walked away and he did not follow Jesus. For he wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be a disciple. But money held him back. But the point I want to make here is Jesus looked at him and love connected the miracle. When you look through the New Testament with Jesus, when you see that he expresses love for someone, has compassion for someone, a miracle is about to break out. The second one is he saw multitudes and was moved with compassion and healed them all. It doesn't mention faith. It's the heart being moved. A leper came to Jesus. Jesus was moved with compassion. He said, if you will, you can make me clean. You know what Jesus said after that compassion move? I will be thou clean. Boom, he was healed. Jesus seeing a multitude had compassion again in Matthew 9 and the disciples asked what was wrong and he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. 
I mean, his compassion goes when he sees that you're wandering. His passion sees when you have no guidance. His passion, you know, we think he's going to be upset. He's going to be angry at me. He is moved in love towards you in those moments when you're, when you're in a tizzy and you don't know what to do. His compassion is moved for you. And if you invite him in, you spend time in the presence of God. The love of God, the compassion Jesus has for you can heal you. He had compassion because he'd taught them all day. I don't have that compassion. I just teach 30, 40 minutes and it's not that bad. Jesus, Jesus sees a dead man in an open coffin. Think about that. Now, if that was me, I'd look and I'd go, oh, who died? And the widow would say, this is my son. I lost my husband. I miss my son. We have, we have no money. I would be destitute. And I'd go, well, we'll be praying for you, right? Is that what we say? Or we just go, let me just pray a minute, Jesus. Come here, be a part of this. Now, Jesus is moved by compassion and he, he says he saw her and had compassion. So he touched the coffin and said, young man, arise. And he rose, sat up and he spoke. Jesus seeing a multitude had nothing to eat because he had taught for three days, Matthew 15. And he said, they have no food. And they said, the disciples said, do you want to send them away hungry? Jesus turns and feeds 4,000. There's two different events, the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. But it started with him being moved by compassion. In Matthew 20, two blind men. It's interesting, two blind men. I love how the Bible works. Two blind men come up to him right after two of his disciples had had their mother approach Jesus to get reserved seats at the right and left hand of Jesus in the future kingdom. So right after that, he meets two blind men. See what the Bible's doing? He's showing you like they were blind. They couldn't really see what this was all about. But these two blind men come up. They are blind. They're crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus, moved by compassion, touched their eyes. It says Jesus had compassion, touched their eyes, he healed them, and they began to follow him. So you start to see, wait a minute, I thought it was all about faith before. It's faith and compassion, faith and love. Faith and love. You need a seed of faith, and you need to be moved in love. Compassion will bring a miracle. That's why when you're walking around somewhere and you see somebody, and, and you make your first your first thought is to make a judgment toward them. You know, I, I've gone through that with Starbucks, I gotta tell you. You know, I love Starbucks. I love their product for the most part. And uh, here in Brunswick, uh, the Starbucks is very strong in LBGTQ. They have a flag hanging in a window. They've taken it down. They've had a flag hanging in a window for a couple months, you know. And I was irritated by it. I don't hate LBGTQ people. I just don't like it being shoved in front of me everywhere I go. And so I looked at it and I thought, you know, and of course there's part of me as an American that says, well, I need to complain to the manager. I need to, you know, not buy here anymore. All that came to my mind and I decided, you know, what, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus go to Starbucks? I had to really think about that. And if he did, what would he do? And so anyway, when I started getting that through my head and processing, I started getting compassion for the people that work there. I started chatting with them. 
I saw, you know, I saw this in Columbus. I was down there speaking, I don't know when it was. Everything's all mixed together, right? Two weeks ago, I think. Well, last week, I don't know. Uh, two weeks ago. And uh, one of our guys, I was, I was kind of off campus there where the place was, and it was a conference, so there was some of our people there. One of our guys who's on the ministry team from the Middleburg Heights campus, big guy, he comes in, and I'm waiting for my uh, coffee. So he didn't see me over there. And I, I was getting ready to call out his name, but he was talking to the server at the cash register, chatting with her, and he was so delightful toward her. And this guy, he's, he's, an, he's an intimidating guy. Man. He's a big guy. He's tough looking, you know. But he was so kind. So thank you very much. I so appreciate you, you know, making this for me today. So what's your name? He gets her name. He says, well, thank you, Catherine. And then he turned and walked off. And I watched that. And I thought, that's really interesting, you know, that did he do more in that moment by exercise? What does love look like? Love looks like seeing someone. Love looks like connecting with someone. Love looks like hearing their name. Love looks like repeating their name. Love looks like thanking someone even if they're just working their regular job. Nowadays, you gotta thank people just for showing up to work. My wife does it all the time. Thank you for showing up to work. Everyone's like, what is that about, you know? <laughs> She's very good at that, though. She loves people so well, you know. So loving is connecting with people. Let me ask you if, you, if you never connect with somebody in this church and learn to love someone here, you are cutting major miracles out of your life. Because when you exercise love, the atmosphere of the supernatural comes because God is love. And so I've been meditating on this and think, Lord, Steve, Steve-O needs some, some help on this here, you know. Uh, greater compassion, greater focus on where people are and what they're doing. I was just talking to somebody this week, somebody who's very popular in our church, well-known in our church. And she, sa she said something to me that I knew but was reminded of it. And she said, uh, you remember when I was a barmaid? And I'm like, yes, I do remember you talking about that. It's part of her testimony. She was a barmaid, became a Christian. And uh, uh, whatever getup she wore was not church clothing, typically. And uh, she would come to go to church, not here, but the church that she told me about in her barmaid outfit. And she said, I just didn't care. She goes, and, and she, she told me how the Holy Spirit tricked her because she said she, didn't, she wanted to be a Christian but didn't want to leave her sin. And she was involved. She said, I mean, everything that could be done pretty much you know, I've done. We, we loved our sin. We cherished it. Even after we became believers, we held on to it. And you could argue whether she was really a believer or not by holding on to her sin. I don't know. But she's still holding on to it. But it, but it came one Sunday when, when they were getting ready to baptize. And uh, for some reason said, I don't know why, but they called for people to be touched by the Holy Spirit. And I went up. She got, she got touched by the Holy Spirit so powerful that it broke all that off of her and love started pouring out of her. Now, when you know her now, you're like, wait, wait, let me get this straight in my head. This was you, and this is you now. And it was Kim Snyder. Kim Snyder is probably one of the greatest liberators in our church, you know. And I, I was sitting there having breakfast with her, and I'm kind of looking at her and thinking, it's hard for me. Once you see someone in all the love that they share, it's hard to remember them as they tell you what they were before. Because love covers a multitude of sin. Love is not a cover-up. 
Love doesn't cover all. It eradicates it. It brings it out of your life. When you move in love, I believe you receive things in your very soul that prevent you from sinning and doing things that are wrong because love is a powerful force that is activated within you by the Holy Spirit because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, even in that Jesus Revolution film, do you remember that? A couple months ago. I love that movie. I've seen it three times. What I love about it is the fact that the religious spirit in the church could not go where love was. So, so you, know, you saw that too, good. Chuck, Chuck Gerard, Chuck Gerard, not Chuck Gerard, Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, um, he invites all the hippies that came in. He said, I wanna thank everyone, all of you for being here because they invaded this little church, you know? And you can see the people that are not hippies. It's pretty easy observation back in the, late 60s, early 70s, you know, people tended to dress up really nice at church and then hippies did not dress up really nice at church and you were lucky if they had shoes on, you know, so, and they didn't smell so great. And so they, they came and the pastor stands up in the movie and welcomes them. By the way, it's, it's now on all, a lot of streaming services if you want to see it at home. But uh, uh, this one deacon who's straight-laced guy gets up and walks out very pronounced so that the pastor knows we're leaving. And, uh, and he said something like, sorry to see you leave. And then he says, anyone else need to leave? He's going right at a religious spirit. And I'm telling you, we're coming into a season. I'm trying to figure out how to describe this. This is so important for where we're going. We're coming into a season where people are going to arrive here that are not yet clean. And you have two choices. You can judge them, which is easy. It's easy. Oh, dude, that person that came in is not, I think they're whatever. They're this, they're that, they're whatever. We need to go talk to them, you know? I mean, it's, it's like everyone's radar goes off, you know? And the church is famous for that. Where church is famous for what we're against and not what we're for. So we're for love. We're gonna learn how to do love without compromising what we believe. So, so people are going to come in and we're going to be challenged. And what I'm trying to do right now, because I'm a, I'm a critique, I, I spent nine years as a business trainer and the point of business training was to seek and find the weakness and speak uh, life into that weakness in order, order to elevate uh, what they're doing in their business, you know. And so you, especially in public speaking, you, I, you would correct on the spot. That's what they signed up for. They paid thousands of dollars to come and have me tell them what they're doing wrong. So when they would stand up there and they would do something that was obviously wrong, you know, like keeping their hands in their pockets all the time or constantly rubbing their forehead, you know, like this. They, people do all kinds of stuff, pull their ears, you know, rub their nose, all kinds of things. I'd have to stop and say, okay, now bring your hands down to your side, continue. What were you saying, you know? So it's, 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 it's looking for how we might repair. You know, that, that really slipped into my Christianity. And so I look and I see the weakness and I, I want to problem solve real, right away. I love them, but it's a problem solving loving. So it comes across as like, I'm judging in some way. Well, now the Lord's got me on this path where I'm just like, when I feel that, I'm saying, okay, how can I love them right now? And a couple of weeks ago, I told the story when I was at Starbucks. It sounds like I'm there a lot and I am. 
By the way, there's a really new coffee shop over in Hinkley that's pretty amazing called Coco's. You want to check it out. Anyway, but Starbucks, I'm at Starbucks on the east side, and uh, there's this guy who, who walks up who is, it looks like he has arthritis. I mean, he is totally distorted, and you can tell by looking at him, he hasn't been that way all of his life. Like, he's, something's attacking him, you know? He, and he just, he looked, I mean, I don't know what it was. I just, I was talking to uh, my wife and, and some others were there. We were talking right there at the table outside and I could not get my eyes off this guy. I, I, I kept turning around at him, you know, and I thought, I, I got to pray for him, but you know, I'm with some people. I don't want to dishonor that. I want to, you know, we're here for this situation. But I, I kept feeling it, kept feeling it. Finally, we finished our little talk. We get up and we walk beside him. And I, I mentioned this about three or four weeks ago. I walked beside him and I looked at him. He looked at me and I, I just gave him the nod that guys do when they see someone else that's looking at him also. Say, hey, you know. And I, I started to walk away. And that's when this verse came to my mind. I thought, because I've been staring at this guy so long, I've fallen in love with him. I feel like I know him. I don't. And I thought, what is that all about? When I started studying this, I realized, Lord, you, you took me into the practicum, the activation before I had the text. Now I got the text. I understand what you're doing. You know, you sometimes need to hang with someone long enough until you fall in love with them. It can take seconds because it's the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to be a long relationship. All of a sudden, you love them where they are. You love the potential of God in them. And when you do, you're setting yourself up for a miracle. As soon as I prayed for this guy, and I was, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in hope, I'm in faith. I'm thinking, Jesus, do something here. And the love was a new thing to me that in that mix, you know, I hope, I faith, but yeah. I got real passion for this guy. I want to see him healed, you know. And I prayed over him. He, he gave me permission. I laid a gentle hand on his shoulder. He did not get up and walk away. But he was touched emotionally. He had tears in his eyes. And he says, my neck has been bothering me really bad. And it's feeling, because I asked him, I said, is anything feeling better? He said, my neck is feeling a little better, you know. And I said, well, I'm going to keep praying for you. He's been in my mind ever since. It's like, once you fall in love with somebody, a gold star but's put in your heart and you can't get rid of it. You keep thinking of the person, you're fixated. Now God's called us to be in love with probably hundreds of thousands of people. <laughs> so get used to it. As people start coming in, there could be initial judgments, put it aside. Wait in the spirit. Contemplate what life they might be living. And I'm telling you, the love will come for them because the Holy Spirit wants you to have that level of love. Everyone, let's stand up together if you could. Oh, wow. So here's my pivot at the end. This will just take about two minutes. I'm pivoting now. I'm going from love to talking about love and money. And that'll take me into next week. There's a scripture that's been bothering me. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Sermon on the Mount. You ever read the Sermon on the Mount? It's disturbing. I'm serious. It's disturbing. It's radical. Jesus stuff. And if it was one of the apostles, I'd say, well, you know, it's secondhand, whatever. Which Jesus speaking it, it's all in red print. It's astounding. Here's what Jesus says. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now this is the kicker right here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We think the opposite. We think because I love something, I give to it. Now do you know if you do an evaluation on your visa bill, you can tell what you love? <laughs> yeah, it's keeping track. Give you a nice little pie chart there and you're like, oh, I love food. You know, I love gaming or I love whatever it might be. People have different passions and hobbies. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you're putting your treasure, your love is following the treasure. But here's the, here's the dilemma I get out of this and I'm gonna talk a little bit about it next week and weeks after. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? There's your heart. Well, my grandkids are way up there. They're, they're the treasure. So my heart is turned toward them. And they'll get my treasure. Yeah. Where's your treasure? There's your heart. If you, if you build up treasure in heaven, your heart will follow. Your treasure's in heaven, your heart follows, you become a person that understands the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because your heart's there. They apparently run in tandem. Treasure heart, treasure heart. In fact, I'll probably talk about it next week. Jesus even compares it to God. You can't love God and mammon. The power of money, the money has the power to reveal your heart. And the power of your heart has the ability to govern your money. You see the intertwining of it? Power of money reveals your heart. The power of the heart governs your money. So when you have love attached to it, it's now it's governing what you give, how you work, where you serve, how you bless somebody. It's all in there. Hearts may direct the treasure, but the treasure reveals the heart. Last question. Is your money or your heart directing your life? Which is more important? They're hanging out together, but which one's leading in your life? Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.